0: When you go to the uh, community calendar, nalchomsiegel.com slash community dash calendar, you'll see that on uh, the 13th of January, there is a Turo College speech language pathology event. Uh, That's going to be happening. It's basically a virtual open house. The link is there. If you go to nalchomsiegel.com and click on community calendar, the link is there and all the information about speech language pathology and the program, uh, it will be available and you can join that on uh, Thursday at um, 6 p.m. via Zoom, part of Turo's uh, ongoing uh, outreach about some of their specific programs. Uh, Tomorrow night is Turo Talks, a Zoom program uh, that will uh, begin at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Again, you'll find the link on our community calendar, nachomsegal.com slash community dash calendar. It is a conversation With Dr. Alan Kadish, who of course is the president of Turo, and Judge Ruchi Fryer. They'll discuss her leadership role in the Hasidic community as well as her unusual career path that, believe it or not, began at Turo College at age 30. And to talk about uh, tomorrow night's event and uh, no doubt to reflect on the last couple of years of this challenging time at the helm of Turo College, and I mean that only because of COVID, nothing to do with Turo. It's Dr. Alan Kadish, the president of the Turo College and University System. Dr. Kadish, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM.
1: Thank you so much, Nachum. It's great to be here.
0: Uh, let's start with the event tomorrow night. Uh, is this unusual for someone to begin their college career At age 30 and uh, is it uh, more commonplace as unusual as it might be for this to happen at Turo
1: it's unusual but certainly not rare or unheard of Uh, many people end up beginning life on different paths raising a family uh, in a profession that doesn't suit them uh, spending time on Torah And as they get a bit older, uh, they mature or now have more opportunities to do other things. So we have a school, actually, uh, that's designed for students who've taken a few years off from their education and come back to uh, school. Rookie Fryer actually didn't go to that school. She went to uh, Turo College Flatbush, Lander College of Arts and Sciences. Uh. But um, this is something we, as I said, it's not common but uh, she's certainly not the only one.
0: Um, First Hasidic female judge, founder of the All-Female Ambulance Corps. She's known as a trailblazer. Uh, Can you tell us what is so remarkable about her?
1: I think there are a couple of things. One is, and most importantly, her humanity. Uh, She really relates to other people extraordinarily well, and she cares about people and is willing to do whatever it takes that makes sense to help people in trouble and to advance the community. And what I think there are many people who have those desires. What What's unusual about rookie Fryer is that she also has tremendous talent. Right, uh, is incredibly smart, incredibly personable, and uh, is able to make things happen. Uh, and uh, I think her career, both as a judge, and she's been a judge for several years in different settings. Um, and, uh, as you pointed out, uh, founding an all-female ambulance volunteer corps, which is, was not simple or uh, certainly not uncontroversial, uh, has shown that she's willing to work hard and accomplish things that otherwise seem extraordinarily difficult.
0: Dr. Alan Kadish is with us, the uh, president of Turo. Tomorrow night he's in conversation with Judge Rookie Fryer. Again, you can go to our website, com. The community calendar section, you'll see it tomorrow night at 8 p.m. The link is there to register, etc. cetera. Uh, we'll get on to other things in a moment, but before we wrap up about what you're doing tomorrow night, um, how about a word um, uh, for those parents and students out there uh, who would like very much, as I'm sure she did, uh, to stay in as Jewish an environment as possible while pursuing uh, their academics? Um, uh, that's something that Turo takes great pride in, uh, tell me about how Turo helps people balance their academic and Jewish lives while they're preparing for their career.
1: Look, at Turo College, it's very easy. Um, we have in the schools that are designed to serve the Frum community, schools which are Shomer Shabbos, which are kosher, and where life events are understood. Um, and so we try to make it an academically rigorous career-preparing personal growth environment, but which also uh, not only respects observant Jews, but idolizes and encourages that behavior. And we think that that creates a unique environment. And, And the fact is, because we have so many graduate schools which create all kinds of opportunities and because our students have had success regardless of where they choose to go to graduate school, we think it's a great option. So Rookie Fryer is a great example of that. Uh, She started her education at age 30. She hadn't been in school for a while and didn't have a strong academic background before she got to Turo. And uh, as she'll talk about tomorrow night, uh, she was inspired by a number of her professors, went on to Fordham Law School, and then uh, went on to uh, success professionally, personally, and uh, doing great things for the community. And so that's the kind of environment we encourage, and uh, we've. she's by far not the only success story. And uh, we uh, pride ourselves in being able to uh, nurture those kinds of peoples, people. One other uh, quick example is um, the uh, valedictorian of our uh, osteopathic medical school in Middletown, New York, last year, uh, had six children when she started medical school. <laughs> 10 when she finished. Oh my gosh. Never took a semester off and graduated first in her class. (laughs) So uh, we have some extraordinarily talented students, uh, but we have programs designed to uh, try to nurture the best out of everyone, regardless of their talent level.
0: Pretty amazing. I'm sure everyone listening is wondering how on earth someone could balance all of that. Uh, Dr. Kadish in conversation with uh, Judge Fryer. Uh, you can hear the story of Orthodox Jewish trailblazer, the Honorable Rachel Ruchi Fryer, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, go to our website, com. click on the community calendar, and you'll see the link where you could register for tomorrow night's event. A couple of other things, um, uh, President Kadish. Uh, it's no secret, it's been uh, in the media, that uh, it seems that Turo is going to have an even larger uh, footprint in midtown manhattan um uh it, 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 i assume that's the plan to uh d- i don't want to say consolidate but i guess uh to help grow uh the university um uh w- with um uh, with an with a uh, significant real estate acquisition uh in midtown manhattan
1: so we actually are in a sense consolidating is that we're taking um schools that were in separate facilities and bringing them together and uh, we're very excited about that. And we're excited about that uh, for a couple of reasons. One is it uh, increases the possibility of collaboration among people in different fields on, on the faculty level, on the student level. Uh, it will create a, a secure environment in a place that's very easy to get to, and that high, has high visibility. And uh, it's not all our campuses the undergraduate schools that are designed to serve the Orthodox community will remain where they are in Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan. Right. But this is uh, most of our Manhattan-based graduate schools, as well as an undergraduate program that's designed to serve the general community, will be housed in this uh, brand new, beautiful facility, which we're extraordinarily excited about.
0: And will that? When does that begin uh, in the near future? So- September.
1: Uh, Actually, it'll begin in January January. of uh, 23 for the spring semester, and uh, we'll continue in our current environment, which is fine until then, but uh, this will upgrade our facilities and increase the possibility of collaboration. So we're really excited about it. Well,
0: congratulations. It certainly seems significant, and it certainly seems to the benefit of so many, uh, both within and uh, outside of our community. Uh, Dr. Alan Kadish is with us, president of Turo. Um, It was two years ago, literally two years ago, that, uh, that you were one of our first guests uh, who was on the air to discuss the uh, what, what it then was uh, referred to as COVID-19. Now it's taken on a bunch of other iterations. Um, so number one, it, it sounds like from the conversations you and I have had over the last 22 months, it sounds like your campuses have adjusted to no matter what the situation is. I'm wondering with Omicron and the recent events of the last few weeks, if anything has had to have been adjusted in any significant way in the way that uh, things are happening on campuses
1: so of course it has uh one of the challenges with dealing with uh the COVID pandemic is that things seem to change every week and one of the things that we've been lucky enough with a great faculty staff and committed students is to be able to adjust as you suggested based on what circumstances are yeah so uh last purim we went remote uh between Erev uh, Purim and Shushan Purim.
0: That's two Purims ago, just reminding everybody. Uh, that's two
1: Purims ago. Sorry. <laughs> uh, thank you. And uh, we've uh, tried to maintain as much in-person instruction as we can since then, but we successfully operated uh, for a couple of years, as you pointed out, in various iterations with a lot of our education being remote. We had hoped to start the entire spring semester in person, for some of our programs which start at the beginning of January, these are graduate programs primarily, we've actually delayed the in-person start till later in January. The undergraduate schools, uh, we're, uh, our next semester start on January 24th. Um, we don't know for sure whether we're going to be fully in person on January 24th or not. The situation with Omicron is just too fluid. And as I said, we've had a great staff that's been able to adapt, along with our students, to changing requirements based on public health.
0: It must get frustrating at some point for the leaders of your institution and the staff and faculty that so much of their day, uh, at least this is the impression I'm under, so much of the day is dealing with these policies and changes and uh, strategies in order to you know, get as much done as possible, it, it, that, that our top academics – and that our uh, uh, top administrative members have had to incorporate this entire subject into their daily lives has got to be frustrating for some of them.
1: So I've had this conversation with a bunch of colleagues who are presidents at at other colleges, and I think probably the best word to use is exhaustion. Yep. Uh, It just takes a tremendous amount of effort to be able to figure out what to do at any given moment And of course it's one of those situations where there's no real right answer you try to do, make the best decision you can and create the best learning environment that you can uh... for a given situation and it's often um... difficult because there are competing interests all of whom have the best of intentions uh... and no matter what we do there are people who say that we're being too restrictive and there will be people who say We're not restrictive enough, and so trying to uh, do the best we can for our students while being buffeted from points of view uh, all over the place uh, is a challenge. Um, It does seem that everyone who's in any way connected with the Turo system has uh, overnight uh, earned an MPH, Master (laughs) of Public Health, and is now an expert on what we should do. And so uh, we've tried to do the best we can, making the best decisions to continue education while keeping safe. We've been extraordinarily lucky so far. Uh, We have had uh, one or two either faculty members or people closely associated with Turo who haven't made it, but it's been few and far between. And so we've been lucky, uh, blessed by Hashem. And um, we're going to continue to try to do what we can. But if you ask me as of today, January 11th, what's going to happen in two weeks, I actually can't tell you because uh, I'm not smart enough to know exactly what's going to happen with Omicron over the next two weeks. The South African experience that had it burned itself out after a huge spike is encouraging. But we're not confident yet that that is going to happen in New York or exactly when it's going to happen in New York, even if it is. There are some positive trends in the last week, um, a lower percentage of people being tested who are positive for coronavirus, uh, but we're still seeing a spike in hospitalization and a spike in deaths. So we're not out of the woods yet. And as I said, I'm not sure that we can predict exactly how things are going to progress over the next couple of weeks.
0: You know, it's funny, because of your background in academics and in medicine, I think that was the focus of our post-perm conversation two years ago was predictions and how long you and others think this will last, et cetera. And I think, as you just indicated, just like you're out of that game now, I think everybody's sort of out of that game now. We just have no idea anymore and nobodys uh, nobody feels confident to actually give a prediction because you never know what's going to happen. what 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 happens when a new variant is announced, uh, or you know some new uh, uh, do, do you roll your eyes the same way the rest of us do when when you get that feeling of "Here we go again, when you hear of some new variant coming from somewhere on this globe?
1: Well, look, I think um, do we say I, I can't believe this is happening again on one level, sure. On a scientific level and a a medical level, uh, I think we know exactly what's going on. Viruses mutate, RNA viruses typically mutate. That's the kind of virus that causes uh, COVID-19 or the COVID pandemic. Um, So it's no surprise they mutate. What we're certainly not smart enough to predict is what the mutation will result in. And so um, Delta, which was the mutation responsible for the previous wave um, was more dangerous and more lethal. Right. Omicron is much more infectious, but less dangerous on a case-by-case basis. And there's no way I think that uh, anyone could be sure that was gonna happen. There are other pandemics that have kind of died out, we think, by less, less lethal mutations. So it's possible that uh, Omicron, which, As I've told people, if you don't hibernate, you're going to get Omicron. It's that infectious. If you're vaccinated and boosted, you very likely won't get sick. If you've had COVID recently, you very likely won't get sick. But if you're up and around and not very careful, you're going to get it. Uh, So it's possible enough that Omicron, and I'm hopeful, that Omicron will drive herd immunity and that the immunity will be effective enough that when we see the next variant we won't be as susceptible to it. But there's no way of guaranteeing that's happening uh, because the virus doesn't care about politics, the virus doesn't care about people rolling their eyes and the virus doesn't care about exhaustion. The virus does what it does uh, and uh, we have to be prepared to deal with whatever's going to happen.
0: And if if that means getting used to living with it, it means getting used to living with it.
1: Absolutely. And I think um I, I don't think omicron is going to go make it go away i think there's a possibility that omicron could make it be like the flu right by getting enough people with enough immunity so that uh it doesn't spread um we, you know one of the frustrating things is that uh people who've been vaccinated people who've had COVID, who think that they ought to have immunity are getting it again right and and fully understandably That leads to a tremendous amount of skepticism. But the reality is that, uh, as I said, the virus does what it does, and we have to be prepared to do what we can. And I think that um, public health authorities, the CDC, uh, the World Health Organization, uh, have been in a very, very difficult position uh, because data are changing daily. They have to make recommendations before they have all the information they'd like. Have they made mistakes? In my view, absolutely. There have been some serious mistakes. But I think once guidelines are issued, they generally make sense. And uh, the current recommendations to continue masking, to get vaccine boosters, are probably still, despite some of the cynicism, the best way that each of us can act to help make this, as you say, something we live with that's kind of low-key rather than a crisis so why is it a crisis why aren't we saying let's just live with it let's just forget about it right and uh it it won't be a problem and i think there are two important reasons one is in many parts of the country particularly in parts of the country with his vaccine skepticism hospitals are simply overwhelmed and it's not just COVID. elective procedures are being canceled screening for cancer is being canceled Nurses are out sick. Nurse-to-patient ratios have changed. And if you forget about COVID, if you're in the hospital with another illness in one of those areas, you're not getting good care because there's just not the personnel with the ability and bandwidth to deal with it. So there is an important reason in those places where hospitals are overwhelmed to say it's going to have a substantial detriment to public health if we let it run rampant. We're not there in New York yet. Hospitals are only up ninety percent. Hospitalizations are only up ninety percent, but uh, or a hundred percent. But we could get there soon if uh, infections overwhelm us. And so, uh, we're not at a state yet where we can say let's just ignore it because the healthcare system is going to get overwhelmed. Right. And the second thing is, Omicron may be two to five times less dangerous than the other variants. But if five times as many people get it, which may actually be what's happening, then it's going to mean people are in the intensive care unit, people are on extraordinary measures to keep keep them alive, and people are going to die. And deaths are going up more slowly with a lag, true, but deaths are going up. So Omicron, while it has some features that are less dangerous and that it's less likely to call pneumonia, it's not safe, particularly for vulnerable people. And ignoring it, we're not quite at the stage, I believe, where we can ignore it. I think we still need to, have, to exercise care. We still need to get vaccinated, develop immunity, and we still need to be careful in highly crowded public places that we don't overwhelm the healthcare system and allow the vulnerable people to get sick and perhaps die.
0: And the hope is that it, uh, like you mentioned in South Africa, that it goes away relatively quickly uh, as compared to Delta. Maybe a couple of weeks from now, we'll be speaking completely differently about this.
1: Exactly. And that's why in in our planning, as we talked about earlier, we're uh, probably in a way that frustrates many people. We're saying we have a tentative plan, but we're going to have to be careful and adjust as public health conditions change.
0: Right, understood. Dr. Alan Kadish, he's president of Turo College. Always enjoy his uh, commentary, especially about the uh, COVID-19 situation, which he's done for us often over the last couple of years. I remind you that tomorrow night during the Turo Talks series, Dr. Kadish will be speaking with Turo graduate, Judge Rachel Ruchi-Fryer, discussing her leadership role in the Hasidic community as well as her unusual career path that began at Turo College. Uh, the link to register for the event is on our website. Just go to nachomsigel.com slash community dash calendar and you will see it under January the 12th. It happens tomorrow night beginning at 8 p.m. Dr. Kadish, good luck with tomorrow night's event. Continued good luck at Turo um, and Mazeltov on the uh, uh, the new facility as you get set to uh, move in one year from now. And uh, thanks so much for joining us this morning.
1: Great as always, and I look forward to speaking with you in the future.
0: Appreciate that. Dr. Alan Kadish, president of Turo College, on a Tuesday morning broadcast here at JM and the AM.